You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. With over 1.5 million downloads, this is the place to be for all your short-term rental knowledge as part of the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. This episode is brought to you by the kind sponsorship of Price Labs, who will help increase your revenue and occupancy with their dynamic pricing and revenue management tools. Price Labs have just launched their 2023 breakthrough release of the next generation of revenue management. This brand new cutting edge solution leverages hyper local data to optimize rates and increase your revenue like never before. Visit the link in the description of this episode for more information. Without further delay, here's your host, Heather Bayer. I was privileged to present at the Direct Booking Success Summit this week. And in one of the networking events, I met Derry Green of Secret Garden Glamping. And I was completely blown away by his story of a simple COVID idea that not only went viral, but spawned a completely new business in the short-term rental world. You will love this. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I, as, as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you once again. As winter sort of starts coming into Ontario, um, it really is time to head south, you know, because we had crazy, ridiculous heat at the end of September and the early part of October. In fact, three days before our Thanksgiving weekend, temperatures hit the mid to high 80s. Three days after that, it snowed. So that's it. You know, it's that roller coaster of fall winter temperatures coming. So yes, this little snowbird is packing up and ready to head south. Can't wait. Can't wait to get down to Gulf Shores in a couple of weeks time and enjoy my winter. Few conferences coming up as well, of course. There's the, the Verma conference in Orlando, where I am giving a presentation called How to Become an Owner Magnet, which I'm really looking forward to. And I'm also on a panel with Brooke Fouts of Vintori and three other amazing panelists to talk about the mistakes we all made, the mistakes we all made in our property management businesses and how we overcame them. And that's all a part of the Vacation Rental Secrets book that Brooke put together. If you want to know more about that, then just head to the link on the show notes and that will talk about Vacation Rental Secrets, how you can get a copy of the book. It really is great. If you're thinking about going into property management, then you need to read this book. Anyhow, what's on today? So I always start by asking my guests how they started their businesses. And the answers are usually you know, pretty similar. They started with one property and then that grew to a couple more. And then their friends and neighbours asked them to rent out their places. Or they had parents who had a property that, that they'd rented out you know, sporadically and they took it on and grew the business from there. Mostly, Everybody in the business has had experience of hospitality of some sort. But as we know, 
COVID changed just about everything. And I don't want to spoil this great story that's coming, so I'm going to leave today's guest to tell it. But I've not met anybody directly before who's had an idea go so viral across social media that it spawned a completely new business. And I was fascinated to hear where it led. So without further ado, let's go on over to my interview with Derry Green of Secret Garden Glamping. Well, I am so pleased to have with me today Derry Green from the Secret Garden Glamping. And I met Derry just a couple of weeks ago at Jem Boyle's Direct Booking Success Summit, which was an online event. It was absolutely amazing and something that uh, Jen did that I haven't seen before in many online summits is that she got people networking with each other. So in between sessions, there, there were some opportunities to talk to some of the other presenters and some of the attendees. And that's where I came across Derry, who was at his, I guess, son's or daughter's football game, soccer game. (laughs) And uh, I just got this story of what he did and I had to bring it to you. But I'm just going to start, Derry, before I introduce you formally, is I want to start with a quote because I want you to comment on it at some point. And... It's actually from the movie Inception. And I don't know if, did you ever see Inception? I did see Inception, yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, I was I the only it. one in my family who understood Inception. And I'm going, <laughs> I understand this. Anyway, the quote was, a single idea from the human mind can build cities. An idea can transform the world and rewrite all the rules. So Ooh. this is what I believe you have done. So welcome, Derry Green. Thank you so much for joining me. No problem. You're more than welcome. It's great to be here. Um, Yeah, really excited to have a chat with you today. Yeah. I've been in this business for 25 years. I have, over the course of the 10 years doing this podcast now, nearly 10 years, and 540-odd episodes, I've interviewed just about everybody in the industry, and I thought I'd heard it all. But uh, now I heard something new and I, I sort of alluded to it in the introduction that I wasn't going to tell the story. I was going to leave it to you to do. So can you tell us, Derry, what it is and where it all began? Yeah, so um, so it all begins in the first lockdown. Uh, so March of 2020, here in the UK, we had you know, quite a large lockdown. So Previous to to COVID, I had a European transport business. So I used to spend a week in Spain and a week in the UK, come back in two, and we used to do you know shipping back and forth. And in that first lockdown, I came back on, it was about the 10th of March, fully expecting to go back sort of 10 days later, which never happened. Um, you know, we went into lockdown, we couldn't travel, and that was it. And I was stuck at home. I've got two young children, so my, my son Noah and my daughter Sophia, so they were six and eight at the time. And we had nothing to do. But in that first lockdown in the UK, we had this unbelievable weather. It was it was like it was summer every single day. So it was ace. And we couldn't go out of our homes as such. But, you know, we was in the, the lucky situation where we live. We're out of the way sort of things. So we're on our own on a, on a piece of land. So we just spent our time outdoors. Um, so it started as a camping trip in the garden. So me, my son and the daughter set up a little tent at the side of the house and camped in it that first night. 
when we woke up the next morning, the, you know, the grass was wet and you know, it wasn't very exciting for him to, to, to kind of wake up like that. So that first day, I built a little deck to put the tent on for the next day. And then the next day, I built a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And, um, yeah, I got the kids involved and it, it kind of distracted us from what was going on in that first lockdown. You know, in that first bit of COVID, nobody knew what was happening. All my transport work into Europe had gone. I had lost all my customers in the space of about three or four days. So it was to distract me from, you know, from what reality was at the time and, and also keep the kids entertained while they were off school. So, yeah, by the end of the first lockdown, I'd, I'd kind of gone overboard, as I do with most things. And I built this whole kind of outdoor garden area with a hot tub and a sauna and a fire pit and a, and a full-on pod at this point. I didn't know it was a glamping pod. I didn't really have a, a, a foot in the market of glamping at the time. And that was that. Now, a company in the UK called Unilad contacted me and said, can we do a story on you on what a dad had built in lockdown for his kids? In the UK, people were building like home bars and gyms and things like that. So they did this story on me and it was me and my son and my daughter sat in this pod and it was what a dad had built in lockdown. And I never thought anything more of it. But the next day, and their sister company, Lad Bible, reshared the post and it got 10 million views. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then people, because my name's unusual, people started messaging me through social media saying, can we book it for a holiday? And I was like, this is crazy. Why would you want to come and stay in my garden for a holiday? It's weird. But I, it kept getting messages. And I thought, you know what, why not? So I set up an account on Airbnb. And I put it on that first night and went to bed and thought nothing much of it. Next day, I woke up and I had, over oh, that first night, it was about 300, 400 bookings that first night. Airbnb had took it and put it on their homepage. And within two days, it was fully booked for two and a half years in advance. It just went ballistic. And I was like, what What do I do now? I've got to, I've got to run a glamping business. I had no idea what to do, but you know, kind of set about it. And from that first initial unit, which, again, I always, even when I got all those bookings, I thought, well, this will be it. It'll just be like a little sideline. You know, it's a great little thing we've got at the side of the house. But I wanted to explore it more. So I went through the planning process and thought, you know what, I'm, you know, this has got legs. I, I want to do more of this. I enjoy doing it. This is, you know, I love being outside. I love building things. So I thought, why not do it more? If I can make a business out of it, great. And then um, from there, I launched the Secret Garden Glamping in February of 2021, so almost 12 months later, and that's where the story started then. Since then, I've now got 11 units, so we're building two more for the end of this year, which will take it to 13. We've just purchased a new site that's going to open for summer next year. We're now currently fully booked on all of the units that we have, so all 11. The earliest available date we've got at the minute is around, midweek is around the end of 2024 on all of the units. Weekends are now the end of 2025. With some of the units, for example, the treetops, the oasis, they're fully booked all the way through now till 2026, which we haven't even put the dates on for yet. So we're now the the most viewed, the most booked, and the most followed glamping site in the UK. We've got over three quarters of a million followers across social media. Our average monthly reach on social media is about 4.2 million now, and we're turning away around a thousand bookings a week currently. So it's it's phenomenal. Um, it's been a crazy kind of two years of building it up to where we are now, where we're looking at opening multiple locations and multiple countries as well as we go forward. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of shorter version of, of that, that two-year story, but that's where we're at. 
You know, most people take years thinking about a career change. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you're not still in the transport business. No, I'm not. Although it, it was funny in that little period when I had the one unit. So around after the after kind of COVID, after summer, we had a, in the UK we had a bit of a come out of lockdown, and then we went back in again. So in that little brief period, sort of September to December of 2020, I actually went back to work a little bit, you know, and because again at that point I still thought it was going to be a sideline. It was only in the we left, you know, we had Brexit in the UK, so we left Europe. So I'd always planned to stop things until everything was sorted. So the plan was to go back in February. But I thought, do you know what? I, I don't want to. I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Let's just do that more. Um, so I never went back in the February and, and started the Secret Garden Glamping. So had you ever been in the hospitality business at all before? You know, have you served behind a bar or waited on tables, anything like that? Uh, so years ago, I used to work in, in bars and nightclubs. I, that was my dad. I went. I remember I wanted to go on holiday with my friends, and he said I could go, but I had to pay for it. So I, I got a job as a glass collector and, and serving on a bar and things like that. But as far as you know, sort of hotel accommodation, that sort of stuff, never. It's never even occurred to me to be doing it. I mean, I'm quite a people person. You, know, I, I get with everybody. I like meeting new people, so it does fit really well. But it was not something that I ever thought I'd be doing. So. Tell me when, you know, you wake up in the morning, you've got mm. 300 bookings. What do you think? What do you think? How do I, I mean, do you, did you have a plan or was it? No. <laughs> I, I genuinely had no idea. That first, I remember, so that first day when I woke up and I had, although we had three, I, yeah, it was about 300 bookings. I had somewhere in the region of 10,000 messages. So I, I distinctly remember for nearly 48 hours, I didn't sleep. I sat on my phone and I was replying to messages. And as quickly as I was replying to messages, people were sending me more. And it honestly, because I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I can't not reply to anybody. I can't you know, just leave people off and go, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to stuff this off. You know, So I sat there for literally days just replying and replying and replying until I got on top of it. And then you know, I quickly realized, right, how am I going to do this? What do I need to do to get it to get it sorted? And that I think that first kind of jumping at the deep end kept my eyes open throughout all of this the past two three years because it was a shock to me. I, I quickly worked out there's a lot to do, so you know I had to come up with ways and, and different things that I could do here to make sure my journey was easy and 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 we could facilitate it and expand more and all those sorts of things. And that's that's kind of the principles that I've used since I've opened and the reason as well behind what I think is a success of here is in the UK we don't have multiple location units you know there, there isn't you know a chain of glamping sites like you, you kind of have in the US a little bit everybody is an owner occupier because they quickly work out there's too much work for them to do at that one site so I took the, the principle which I did in my previous business what which was i take a step away from the business and try and work on my business rather than in my business. So now, you know, the, the site here, for example, that's fully self-sufficient. Uh, you know, I don't have anything to do with the day-to-day -day running. I can sit and think about what I want to create, what people are looking for, what direction the market's going in, rather than being, you know, I've got to change a toilet seat or, or swap some bedding over or whatever else it might be. So I think that's really carried me through. And that was from the initial start thinking, right, I can't deal with this on my own. There's no way I can do it. I've got to get more people with me. So I'm looking at you now. You're sitting there. It looks, you know, you 
you look nice and calm, but not yeah. too far from you, you've got 11 units that are occupied right now and yeah. people are out there running it and you don't even have to be concerned. No, so that's it. I mean, I'm here. It's obviously at my home. There's been, it's been a big learning curve and a, and a, a kind of lot of infrastructure gone in here now to separate my home from the business, which it is now. But yeah, you know, today, just before I came and did this, I'm just doing a new tile floor in one of the units. We've decided to install some more underfloor heating and, and doing that today. So I'm going to go back to that this afternoon. And yeah, it's it works really well because I can be here. And if anybody needs me, I'm only a phone call away. I always am. So it kind of keeps my foot in it enough to be able to to kind of keep on top of it. Well, I, I've read through dozens and dozens of your reviews and so <laughs> many of them mention you. They, they say oh, no, they've, yeah. they've met you, you're so friendly, they see you as, as you know, the, the head of all this. And it because it, it, that's one reason I wanted to get this question out there, you know, are you fully involved? Because it sounds like from the, their reviews that they feel mm. that you are. So, you know, that, that is the perfect way of working on a business, to yeah, have your clients feel that you're working in it. Yeah, do you know what? That has been one point that I've toiled with over the past, I think it's really come to, to a head in the past sort of six to eight months. So for the first year, two years, I was on site every day building something. So the guests, although they might be staying in one unit, they'd always come down and see me and I'd be walking around, I could chat to them and things like that. As we've grown now, you know, we've, now we've got 11 units. So at any one point, we can have around 50 guests a day here. And that would literally take up my whole day is just chatting to people and saying hello. Because I do, I, I'll chat forever. I'll sit and talk to a customer for two or three hours about all sorts of stuff. There just isn't enough time in the day for it. And I realized, you know, people do love coming and see me. They like, the, they love hearing about the story. They followed us from the start when it was just me on my own, messing around in the woods all the way to where we are now. So then it's taking on, again, key people. So I've got Andy now, who's head of our customer service. So we jokingly say he's Mr. Secret Garden now. So he's now kind of replaced my role of welcoming every single guest because it is a full-time job to welcome guests, invite them in, show them around, that sort of stuff. And then I kind of get involved in mm -hmm. within, within all of that. So then I can still be the face of the business, but then the the kind of stuff, you know, if they need to know how to use the griddles or how to use the hot tub or the underfloor heating, Andy can deal with that then. Well, I think you, you've, you've said enough about sort of hot tubs, saunas, underfloor heating. We need to, to talk about these units themselves. Now, I know they're set in woodland. You've got acreage of woodland. In the reviews, people said they couldn't believe how private each of, yeah. of these units were. But, you know, camping, glamping, you know, I, I thought I was glamping when we went from a tent to a trailer tent. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure those those in the US probably don't know what I mean by a trailer tent. It's a sort of pop up. They call it pop well. up pop up camper, the old Conway Camargue, and that to me was absolute luxury because it it took my bed off the ground, and that was all mm. I needed. But I was still, you know, you still went to the public washrooms, and yeah. you know, I think a couple of sites. I mean, this is going back a long way. You understand, Terry. <laughs> It's been about a few years, but some sites were getting power and you got little power bars and, you know, I could boil a kettle and it was, it was yeah, absolute height of luxury. Tell mm. me about glamping as you create it. And yeah, let's talk about these, you call them units, pods, yeah. but they're, they're all different. Yeah. So 
I, as, we, as I said earlier, you know, uh, what I'm doing now within glamping is pretty much at the very extremes of what you can still class as glamping without being, you know, a hotel, basically. You know, what we're creating here is a hotel in a woodland. Each unit I do is different from the next one. So I'm not replicating the same thing over and over again. I, I like a challenge. I like figuring out new things. And as I do each pod, you know, if you look at the first pod that I built, the, the hideout, compared to some of the newer ones, the treehouse that I've, we've done, or the wilderness spa on the lookout, it's like night and day. Because I'm learning on my adventures I'm going through, just like you know, like any business. So now we have, you know, as standard, every unit has your know, full-on suite, underfloor heating, high-speed internet, smart TVs, hot tubs, saunas, outdoor covered areas, different things. You know, some have pool tables, some have cinemas. The, the new one that we're just doing now, I've got a kind of retro foosball table and kind of gaming table and stuff. It was... All of these ideas come stem from what I like to do. So when I built that first one, and I think again, this is one of the key differences. When I built that first one, I did it over took a, it was about three months, and um, it was basically me walking into the house. You know, we were sat out there with me and the kids. We spent every day out there, every day, every night out there. It was perfect. But every time I didn't have something, I'd walk back to the house, pick it up, and I'd take it with us. So it started off with. I needed some more pillows, so I put some extra pillows there. Then I, you know, I fancied watching something on TV, so I took the TV out of the living room and put it out there. And I did all these things, and I ended up basically moving my house outside. So then, all these things, when you, it's not so again, if it's a you know a single night or maybe even two nights or three nights, you can get away with a lot of stuff. But if you want to extend that and extend the seasons as well, you know, glamping has been very seasonal within the UK, where we're open. You know, I'm fully booked 365 days a year, seven days a week. And it's because, you know, in that autumn, winter season, glamping can be, I won't say miserable, but certainly, you know, uneventful maybe is probably a good way of putting it. You know, if, if, there's, if you're not giving somebody something to do, they could quite easily get bored. So I want to, you know, anything that I'm doing is always focused on the outdoor area. It's always focused on getting them out of that unit because the units in theory haven't really changed. You know, that first one I did had underfloor heating, internet, bed, TV, ensuite they've all still got the same. I haven't really done any, and you, you know, there might be a different style or different lighting or things like that, but the interiors really haven't changed that much. Where I have gone in a different direction is the outdoor space. That's where I've focused all my, you know, all my energy, all my kind of inspiration has been out there. And each outdoor unit has got bigger and more elaborate and has more things to do because it's in the name. You know, if you're going glamping, you're not going to sit in a pod, in a bed, for two days in a field doing nothing, you want to spend time outdoors. Else you'll just sit in your house. You know, you could just stay at home. It's fine. So focusing on that and getting people to spend time outdoors, whether it be a rainy day like it is today or the middle of summer, it's finding those different things that you can do to encourage them to be outside. That's what's going to create memories. That's what creates experiences for them. That's what gets them to share their content on social media of how good a time they're having. And that's the, the kind of key point that we've done over other people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, again, looking at, at the reviews, one of the things that, uh, that a lot of people said was the attention to detail. From start to, to finish, the attention to detail is, is second to none. There was nothing we had to look for. Everything was there. Uh, yeah, the, and that, you know, I just only find, found five out of the thousands probably that you've got, but they were all very similar. You know, I've got a bit samey, yeah. actually, Terry. <laughs> Everybody yeah. loves it. <laughs> you see, this is this is why 
because I build all my own units here. And it's this is where my problems come from a business point of view is scaling it because it's me. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a great example of it, when I built the treehouse, I built all the outdoor area, built where everything was going. And the last thing to go in was the hot tub. And we got it into place, put it there. And I stood back and it just didn't look right. It didn't work right. When it, in my head it did. And on a piece of paper it did. But when it came to using it from a customer, you know, sitting in the hot tub, you know, the, the bar wasn't in the quite the right place. The TV wasn't quite in the right place. The ceiling was a bit low. And I didn't like it. Where most other people would be happy with, you know, it looks okay. Yeah, it's fine. I wasn't. So I then embarked on building a huge extension to the to the unit that took us another month to do to move the hot tub to a new location which fitted better and worked better. So if there is, as we go through the build, something that doesn't work, we change it. Mm-hmm. We don't just go, oh, well, it'll be okay. Because it would have been okay, but we're not okay. We're amazing. We're great. We're phenomenal. That's what we want to be. Uh, just coming back onto the building, were you DIY Derry before this all started? <laughs> Not to this degree, not <laughs> not in a million years. You know, I'd done I'd done stuff. You know, hanging shelves. You know, building IKEA wardrobes, painting and decorating that sort of stuff. But nothing to this extent. I think the biggest thing I built before that was probably like a little um, little playhouse for the kids. You know, the size of this desk sort of thing. It was never anything like that. But learning again, like I said earlier on. If you look at the the difference between the first one I did and the ones I'm doing now, it's it is it's like night and day. I've learned a million things since mm-hmm. then, but I love it. You know, it, it's a, it's a challenge to me all the time. Is is figuring stuff out. That's kind of how my brain ticks. If I look at something and I want to know how that's done, if I don't know how it's done, I'll have to learn how it's done. So I, yeah, that that really um, I enjoy that part of it. So going back to the attention to detail, that requires all your staff yeah. being on side, knowing what you're standard operating procedures are your your journey to excellence if you like um how many yeah. staff do you have um so we've got 14 here 14. now um, and what do they do yeah. so we have um we've got maintenance we've got a site manager we've got cleaners we've got customer service we've got social media and myself as well obviously the main bulk of it is the is the cleaners that's been something that's been really you know, a big learning curve is figuring out those processes, you know, and that's learning from our mistakes is, is, a, is a top and bottom. That first year was all learning about, right, how do we, how do we make sure this is done right? You know, you give this to one person, they do it, but then you need to check stuff, you need lists, you know, all these sorts of things, which we've built up over a three-year period now to hopefully have a, a well-oiled machine. Still, you know, things go sideways every so often, but, you know, we're, we're pretty much there with it now. Yeah, and, it, and not every guest is going to be happy. There are, there's always going, and I did read a couple of reviews, you know, the, and and I've seen, I, I ran a property management company for 20 years and, yeah. you know, there's always those who are, ne- you're never going to make happy. You yeah. know, they're, they're coming to an outside, outside place and complain about leaves on the deck. Don't, oh, don't even start me on that one. That was the, I mean, I, do, I kind of laugh about it now, but it is, I guess now, you know, when I was young, me and my brother would be, playing out in the woods and building dens and all sorts of stuff like that. But I don't think people are brought, you know, a lot of people are brought up in cities and towns and things, and they never experience, you know, woodland or outdoor areas or not for any period of time. And to to be distracted by leaves falling in a woodland at the start of autumn, I, I, to me, it just is common sense. But I, I, I guess from a, an outside point of view, if I'd lived in a city for my entire life and not really seen a tree, then I would be confused why leaves are falling on a deck in the middle of autumn. But 
you know, we, we try and keep on top of everything. We have over a thousand visitors a month now. So it's geared up massively from the from the start. But yet our ratings on everything, our reviews, the messages that we get off customers are always phenomenal. So, um, yeah, we try and try and make sure we keep on top of that. I'm going to take a short break just now to hear about our sponsor, Price Labs, directly from one of their clients. We're going to be right back with more from this great interview in just a few moments. I've been in property all my life. We do a a lease on some properties. We own some of the other properties. And now we manage and we're open to, in the UK, to any other owners coming to us for management of their property. Before Price Labs, how I was setting the rates, I wasn't so sure, if I'm honest. I had a feel for the price that worked and I had a feel for the price that didn't work. And then some days would book up really quickly and I'd think, oh, wow, that's cool. And then I'd realise that there was an event on locally and I'd missed it. So no wonder it was booking up quite well. I'm still learning about price lamps. The grouping of properties is a big feature that we use. We've often got multiple properties in either one block or in one street or something like that. They're all identical, so therefore we just price them together. Another one is the orphan stays. It's really cool. So if we've obviously got a gap and a one-night stay, let's say, for example, it's in a very touristy area like Bath or Edinburgh, and I've missed the opportunity to offer a weekend one-night gap as a one-night stay because I've got a two-night minimum, I'd really kind of kick myself that I'd not done that. So... That's a really, really beneficial. So we're an affordable premium brand. And we can put a blanket uh, price increase on all of our properties or any selected properties versus the market. When you own the business, which all business owners will know, you've got a pipeline of things you want to implement and generally save you time or make you money. And the big thing for me is how do we save time? Overall, it is really helping us be efficient. And I think that was the key thing. Thank you so much for that testimonial. It was great to hear how Price Labs is working so practically with their clients to help them achieve success. So let's go on right back now to our interview. So setting expectations clearly is is something that, that you pay a great deal of attention to because, once again, going back to the reviews, a lot of people talked about the check-in process. Photographic instructions were great. There was nothing we had to query. The pre-arrival info was brilliant and so well explained. Can you just yeah. go there for a, for a moment and talk about how you prepare your guests for the experience they're going to have? Yeah, so from booking until when the customer leaves, we have 12 different points of contact. So throughout the process, again, this is from a, a trial and everything. At first, I just used to speak, send them a message on Airbnb when I used to use Airbnb. And that was it. And then I quickly realized, actually, they're going to have questions about, you know, whatever it be, you know, the hot tubs or the bedding or, you know, the outdoor areas, whatever it might be. So in that first bit of COVID, Airbnb did um, the kind of seven-step automated check-in thing to to comply with COVID regulations. 
which was a great idea. And I thought it was a really good idea. I just expanded on it. So I did, uh, you know, I did check-in process. I made the full experience automated from a guest point of view. For, and that was down to COVID from an interaction point of view. But actually, the time that it saved me from having to do all these mundane things over and over again worked really well. And customers really appreciated it. And then I could focus on the specific needs of certain guests. So you, and that could be accessibility issues. It could be, you know, things that are, that are out of their order. And whether it's your birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. So... 90% of the general questions that we get are covered for by our app. So we use a company called Touchday in the UK. So we have an app for every unit. And on there, when they book the unit, it gets automatically sent to them so they can see all the details of the unit, all the photos, how to use everything, what we provide, all these sorts of details. And people love reading it. it it's, it's great because it's an app on your phone. They can sit and flick through it, which is awesome. And then throughout the process, again, it's as, you know from a business point of view, we can use all these different points of contact to upsell. So we, we do that quite regularly. And then on that point of upselling, it then, although the customers are paying for it, it actually increases their the benefits that they have when they're on site, when they add these extras on, because it, it you know the experience all ends up being phenomenal then. So we've got all these different ways of doing it. And that's that's what I found. Again, my time was being taken up early on with where do you keep pots and pans or is there any spare toilet roll? And it all takes time. And when you're, that was with one unit. Now we're at 11 and going to 13. I could spend my whole day doing that. You know, just replying about different things. We try to, to focus on getting it all together in a coherent place. And then it's, you know, it takes 90% out of it for us. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you're using Touchday. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. I've been involved with Touchday for, for many, many years. It's since oh, its really? inception, really. No, Andy... Uh, McNulty extremely well. Um, so you yeah, must have come across Tyann. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do quite a bit with Touchday. Um, they use a lot of our content and you know, with our welcome guides as well for when they're doing different social media campaigns and things. You, know, I love what they're doing. It is, it's a brilliant piece of technology. And it, although it's never going to capture everything, you know, that, that's not what it's for. It captures ninety percent of the stuff, and that mm-hmm. is, a, you know, it's a massive amount of work. Yeah, well, we used it for with our property management company with uh, with up, upwards of two hundred properties, and uh, just so wow. so easy to, you know, take a new property on and to onboard that through Touchday was was just so simple. You mentioned ah, upselling. Okay. So yeah, what yeah. what is it? What what do you upsell? For example, last year our average nightly rate was two hundred and twenty pound a night. So that was our average nightly rate across all the units for last year. But our average booking value for each of those nights was £268. So our average upsell was £48 per night per booking. And that can be, I mean, the, the main ones for us are things like pre-lighting services. So we have wood-burning hot tubs, so we can get the hot tubs up and going and ready for when the customers arrive rather than doing it themselves. You know, simple things, selling logs, marshmallows, chocolate fondues. But then we do like happy birthday neon signs, which we can rent out for them if, they, you know, if it's somebody's birthday. We do luxury packages. We do champagne. We do breakfasts. We do charcuterie boards. We do dessert boards. So all these little things, I mean, it helps because we book so far in advance. When somebody initially places a booking, they're booking for 2024, 2025, 2026. So we take a 30% deposit when they book. If they're adding, let's say, 20 or 30 pounds worth of extras, it's only two pounds extra when they book. 
and they pay the rest in you know a year, two years, three years time. So it encourages them again on our checkout page to do it. But then throughout the process over the period of time that we're we're speaking to them, whether they've booked for you know a month in advance or two years in advance, we're constantly talking to them about what they you know what do they expect from the from the stay? Is there anything they want to do? Is there any special you know occasions they're coming for? All these different things where you've got opportunity to upsell to them then because um, you you know when they come here. We've got a captive audience. You know, mm-hmm. they, they come, we're in the middle of nowhere. They're coming here for two or three or four nights, and our guests rarely leave. 98% of guests don't leave the site once they get here. So when they get here, they park up, check in, and that is it, and they don't leave again until they go. So you've got a captive audience. So it's not like the, I say, the Disney model of upselling where you've got no choice. So they will charge you, whatever, $8 for a Coke because you've got no choice and you've got to buy it from there. I work on the other method, which is actually if you give something of value to somebody, they see it as a benefit. So we're not overly priced on on certain things, but we just want them to – so if they buy some marshmallows, I think we make, I don't know, a pound on some marshmallows. But that memory of roasting marshmallows on a fire with the kids, that is more important because that, to me, is part of my marketing budget. So if they're going to then share that content to their friends and tell everybody how amazing it is, that's going to bring me more bookings. So I might only make a pound or two off of some marshmallows, but actually the future bookings, because 70 or 80 or 90 of their friends now want to come, is far more important. So there's all these different aspects to it. It's not just as simple as profit margins of what we make on what, because we could, again, as I said, we've got a captive audience. We could charge £10 for marshmallows or £15 for marshmallows. We can't get them. Unless you know I've got them and they can't get them, so but it's not about that. It's it, it's getting that balance. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, just coming back to, to something you were saying previously was about making their stays as personal as as possible. So you've got to keep that yeah. information somewhere. So that sort of leads me on to asking about what your tech stack is, because you must have yeah. quite the phenomenal tech stack. But but firstly, you also said when I used to use Airbnb. Yeah. Are you are you not using? I see that you still got properties on Airbnb. So technically, yes. So technically, some of the units are on Airbnb, although you can't book them mm-hmm. because uh, my settings on Airbnb are a year in advance, and we're booked further than that. I need to take them down. It's just, in all fairness, it's free advertising. I haven't had a message off Airbnb for a long, long time now because everybody just comes to us. So when I first started, I need a payment gateway, basically. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taking the B. I was directing my followers to Airbnb to be able to book because at the time I was so busy trying to do everything else. It, it was something I didn't want to deal with. But then once I opened the Secret Garden, so the February, I then invested in your know, booking platforms, a website, that sort of stuff to take my own bookings. So yeah, everything we do now is 100% direct. We don't use any third-party OTAs, anything like that. Although, like I say, technically we are still on Airbnb or some of them are. So what? So yeah, you can't book them on there. What is in your tech stack? What What are you using for your platforms? Uh, so we use Bedful for our booking system. Most of our technology is through our website. So we have a web designer Dylan who who sorts out all the back end stuff. So things like our um, email messaging systems, our text messaging systems, obviously our Bedful bookings, and then our Touch Day as well. So it's all integrated on our side on our website side rather than using too many other things but then for email campaigns that again that's done through 
uh, we was using um, an outside third-party Mailchimp at the time, but we now do it again in-house now through our own um, our own web designer. So, where do you collect the information on guests? Where do, where do you keep that? You know, I know people often ask. You know, what is that customer? What is the best customer relations management system out there? And I'm wondering what you use. Again, we don't actually have a separate one as such. So we have obviously all our bookings through Bedful. That then translates across into our um, our website and our emailing list. So on the back end of our website, where not only our inquiries come through, everything gets collated mm-hmm. into – well, it's actually split into several different lists. So we've had ones that are from bookings, ones that are from inquiries, ones that are from social media or websites, but they actually culminate into one giant list if I want to have it all as – just a, a section of email addresses, phone numbers, contacts, why have they stayed, when did they stay, what occasion did they stay for, you know, because we ask certain questions as well within, you know, within the booking platform to try and get a, an idea of, again, where the bookings are coming from, you know, Facebook, Instagram, website, you know, if it was coming from an OTA, all that sort of information is all collated on our back end on our website. I have to ask, what were you doing at the Direct Booking Summit? <laughs> you seem to have it all... <laughs> You seem to have it all wrapped you know, up. So, <laughs> so the, I love the industry. I love glamping. I love short-term accommodation. I just like being around other people who have the same passion as me. Because it's like, there's it, that saying, isn't there? You, if you um, do your hobby, you're never going to work a day in your life. Yeah. And that's genuinely how it seems. I don't go to work every day. I'm getting to do my hobby every day. And it's hard for pe- some people to understand. Your friends of mine are like, Oh, you're working too much. I'm not, I'm not. I haven't worked a day in my life. I, I just, you know, I get to go and play in the woods and, and mess about and talk to other people that that like doing what I do. Um, so something like that, you know, the, the direct um, booking summit. It's just nice hearing what other people are doing, and I can relate it back to me. What I find is a lot of the stuff I do day to day, whether it be the way I build units, the way I reply on messages, the way I do my social media, because we do all our own social media. That's where it all kind of came mm. down to. That's what my main focus was at the start and is what you know what's what's made us stand out from everybody else but i do it on autopilot most of the time so the only way i realize what i'm doing and kind of tie down into focus on what i'm doing is by listening to other people and going oh yeah i do that because of this and somebody might say something and i'll start talking about it and then it brings it to the forefront of my mind it's like when we're you know, with me and you chatting now i'm thinking about why i do something i'll go oh i've never really thought about that i've just done it but then that gives me a reason to look into that part a little bit more and expand on it more. And I don't want you, know, although at the minute we're a, a you know a huge presence in, in the UK. We you know by a country mile we're, we're we're bigger than everybody else. But I don't want to be the person sat here. You know, sit back on my laurels now, and in ten years' time I'll be the one sat here whinging. Oh, I don't know why I've got bookings or nobody's coming anymore because the market's changed and the market's evolving and what people are doing is different. And I just I want to be involved. I want to be part. Of it for for now and for the future. Oh, that's that's a great way of of looking at it. That uh, it's probably the reason why you know I sold my business fifteen months ago, and I'm still just oh, as involved in in it as I was then, just in a different way. I don't want to leave. Every day's a school day. Oh, it absolutely is. Every day's a it school is. day. No way. I yeah, I can't sit here and say I know every single thing about glamping or the hospitality industry or anything. if it did i'd be a moron you know it's not something that i can say so i've got to be learning all the time i've again i've only done it now for three years people have been doing it for 10 20 30 years 
And I'm sure there's knowledge to be learned out there to improve on things that I'm doing. So anything that I can do, I will do. Yeah, I still learn something new every single day. And you, you said it, it's, it's taking that passion and you, you've got to be passionate about yeah. it to do it without thinking that you're doing Absolutely. a job. I just want to touch yeah. on accessibility and sustainability before we move on to see what the future is for the secret yeah. garden glamping. I do notice that sustainability in particular is, and I'm very pleased to see this, it's moving not quite to the forefront of people's minds, but it's getting there. How do you adapt yeah. to sustainability and ensure that uh, that you're operating as many sustainability practices as you can? Well, you see, we're in quite the unique position because our bookings are so far in advance, you know, a year, two years, three years in some cases. We know our projected revenue for the you know, for mm. 2023, 2024, 2025. So we can plan way further ahead and invest far more than, than general glamping businesses as such because we, we know what we're going to be doing. So we're... Now, you know, recently, so February last year, we just installed £60,000 worth of battery storage um, to, to bring our – we had a full site survey done, giving us our carbon footprint and, and everything else. So we, we're trying to find ways to bring that down. So battery storage was the first installation. We've got our new set of batteries, so we're doubling that this year. Um, so that's going to be installed in December. Um, so we're going from – 50 kVA of battery storage up to 100 kVA of battery storage and tying that into our solar that we've had installed on the main building um, to try and go as much off-grid as possible. And then try we can, again, the unique position that we're in, we can try things that if they don't work, at least we tried. There's a company called Solaris and they create kind of an off-grid hot tub heating solution. Um, so it's, it's basically like, they look like mini pyramids. They're really clever little things. And they're like little greenhouses and the water passes from the hot tub through each one. And by the time it comes out the other end, it's heated. And you don't need blazing sunshine because obviously the UK is not like that. But it brings the cost down of heating that hot tub, which then you know saves us on electricity and, and, and everything else. So we can implement these things. We didn't know if it was going to work in the first place, but now we know it works. And if it didn't work, yes, you know we might have wasted a few thousand pounds trying it, but at least we tried it. And we're in that position where we've got enough capital behind us now to, to try and move a bit further than than where the kind of flag set at the minute and we can try and do more so that's um that's certainly and as we move forward again into the new site we want to be a bit more ambitious so there's there's lots of different new projects coming solar thermal heating ground source heating air source heating all these sorts of things we've just swapped again all our laundry side of things to air source from from electricity Although it's a big change because it, it works in a totally different way in a totally different amount of time. But the, the power that it's saving is reduced, again, our carbon footprint down massively. But then as a business, it reduces our cost now as well. Because in the UK, electricity prices are, are really high. So it's, it's now got to the point where it's advantageous for businesses to actually start installing these practices going forward. So I think the, the needles shifted past the tipping point now. And I think it's going to be a short term before everybody's on board. That is great. That is great. People like Bob Garner. Vanessa de Souza-Large from Sustonica, mm. they're going to be so pleased to to hear this. Um, okay, yeah. what's in the future? What's ahead? You touched on it right at the very beginning, but love to hear more. Yeah, so we've got a, a new site that's going to open for next year. So that's going to be kind of a master, but my in my head, like my masterpiece of what we're what we're doing here. It's going to be a huge site um, with, with lots of different facilities. It's still under wraps a little bit. Nobody really knows about it yet. But then as well, I can't 
talked too much about it yet, but we've got something big that's going to be coming out in February next year. And from that, we want to be opening multiple sites across the UK. We've launched the franchise model to be able to open and, and in, increase our presence quicker um, across the UK, then Europe, and a lot of interest in the US as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be going national. You know, our our audience now is growing day on day, and is only limited by the amount of content that we produce. You know, I say we've got kind of two sides to the business. We've got a, a glamping site, which is where we generate our revenue, but we've also got a social media business. You know, that that side of the business is huge, and our following and our audience that we've created is bigger than any other holiday brand in the UK. You know, big, you're bigger than Butlins, bigger than Whole Seasons. Wow. The only one that's bigger than us in the UK is Center Parks. And only by 10,000 followers now, we're going to overtake them next month to be the biggest one. And we've got one site with 11 units and me just messing around in the woods. <laughs> messing so around in the as woods. as we go forward now, <laughs> I genuinely, that's what it is. It's, it's like, I, I always say, when guests come and they're, you know, they're, they're so happy to see it and, and, and so happy to speak to me about different things, I genuinely, you get that imposter syndrome. It's like, I, I do it for free, but they're paying, for, paying me to do it, so I, I just won't say anything and hope nobody notices. Because it is, I just feel like I'm playing around in the woods every day, and people pay me to do it, which is just incredible. It's incredible. So, yeah, we've got lots more to come for next year. We've got a couple of big TV shows coming out next year as well. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, a, a great year, 2020. Uh, we're in 2024 then, isn't it? Yeah. So are your kids still involved? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, me and my son went down last night because one of it's just stupid as it is. One of the guests wanted to meet me last night because she'd seen us on four in a bed and a couple of other TV shows. So I, I wandered down because I was with my son. And me and my son were still chatting to her for about, her and her husband, for about 45 minutes or so, just about everything. They loved it. They'd seen it on TV. And, yeah, they, you know, the kids love being down there. My daughter, she just wants to spend time in the units. So she's very girly. She wants to sit in the hot tub with her friends and stuff like that. Where my son, it's like a paradise for him. He's nine years old. And I let him play with nail guns and chainsaws in the woods, something my dad had never let me do. And if um, his mum ever found out, I'm sure she won't be happy about it. But yeah, if it's you know if it's me and him down there, we can do what we want. It's like yeah, it's like it's like I'm his age and he's my age. We swap roles around there. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, Derry. It's been just amazing talking to you. I expect to see you presenting on the Direct Booking Success Summit next year. <laughs> you've got i think you've got so much yeah, do you know so much to share you know, i like doing these things i'm doing a, a couple of different events next year because again as i alluded to before social media is the thing that i've concentrated on and, and that's been my main focus is building up social media platforms building up followings building up audiences content creation figuring out what drives bookings to sites and that's what i do really well but I love talking to people about it. If anybody wants to have a chat with me ever, I say it all the time, just give me a ring. My phone number's on the website. It's me you come through to. It's not like, a, I don't know, an automated office somewhere. Just give me a ring, send me a message, send me an email, whatever it might be. I probably will. And we will definitely be back in touch next year because I want to see what's happening then. Just con oh, so, yeah. so many congratulations on what you've achieved. I think for most, for many people listening, they're, they're the, the jaws are probably dropping at what you've achieved in such a short time. But just going back to that quote, a single idea from the human mind can build cities. An idea can transform the world and rewrite all the rules. Well, I think you're rewriting a lot of rules in this short-term rental industry, and I applaud you for it. And thank you so much for joining me. You're more than welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
that was awesome. That was really awesome conversation. Derry and I ended up talking for another sort of 15 minutes after we stopped recording that. And I, I wish I'd still had that record button going because there was so much more goodness. He was talking about having two businesses and one business is the glamping side, but the other side is social media. And he treats the social media side of his business as a completely separate one and spends an inordinate amount of time on social media. But when you've got three quarters of a million followers on on a platform, then I guess you have to. So all his platforms are going to be on the show notes. I really encourage you to go and have a look at those. Go and have a look at the Secret Garden Glamping website where you'll see a lot of these exterior spaces. And it was really interesting in this this sort of post-recording conversation, we were talking about the fact that people don't go on vacation to sit inside the property in general. They're using it for accommodation. If they're staying longer, if they're staying a week or more, then yes, they're probably going to be eating in and dining in. But if they're just there for a short space of time, they're probably going to spend most of their time outside, whether they're going outside to visit attractions and go to an event, or as with Secret Garden glamping, they are just arriving and spending their two days, one day, two days, three days, maybe outside. And he's created these amazing outdoor spaces. If I was still running my company now, that conversation alone would have got me really focusing way, way more on looking at the outside of every property we had and trying to figure out how we could boost that experience, boost that outside experience even more. Because even though it wasn't glamping, it was cottages, but, you know, there's only a little bit of a step up from, and in fact, I'm not even sure it's a step up, it's a step a step side to go from what Derry is producing in his glamping world to what we had in our lakefront cottages. So that was great conversation. I hope you got a lot from it. And if you've got any questions, I mean, Terry says his telephone number's on his website. Any one of the thousands of people who go to the website every day can pick up the phone and call him. So, you know, if you've got a question, you could call him directly. Probably better to uh, send him uh, a message on one of his social media platforms. And uh, all that information will be on the show notes. You know me, when I get super excited about something, I talk about it a lot and... Ever since I met Derry, I have been looking forward to this conversation so much, and I think it really, really delivered. So I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, that's it from me for another week. If you are listening on the day of publication, I'll be heading out to Orlando this upcoming weekend to the Verma conference. Really looking forward to that. And then, of course, there is the Women's Summit and the Darm conference coming up in December. And I know working with Amy and there's there's other amazing people organising this thing and I'm sort of getting a little bit of a, a background peek at what's going on. There are some amazing speakers, amazing topics that you won't find at Verma. You're going to find at the Women's Summit. And the keynote speakers are outstanding as well. One of them, Cheryl Strayed, who wrote Wild. She is my heroine 
from reading Wild, it really got me thinking about doing more hiking, getting out and about in nature, which is something that I absolutely love to do. So I'm looking forward to meeting her. I'm looking forward to meeting Will Gadara, the author of Unreasonable Hospitality, who will be keynoting at the Darm Conference. So lots of great things out there to be happening. If you are going to Orlando, you see me anywhere, please come and say hello. I have to tell you that I am a real introvert and I find, I do find these conferences really daunting with so many people. And I just love it when somebody will come up and say hello to me and and I can get chatting because I'm not totally comfortable with approaching people and approaching groups. So if you see me there, come say hello. I'd love it. Okay. So I will leave you to the rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Price Labs, and their dynamic pricing and revenue management tools. Click the link in the description of this episode for more information. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.